1 Timothy, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and, and be seated. In a day like that, a day that was crazy, in a day that there is danger of being shipwrecked because the storm was so crazy, Paul prioritized supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks. Different commentators say that, you know, he's just kind of stating things the same way. Other ones say, you know, actually there's a there's specific um, type of prayer uh, associated with it, each one of those. You know, I'll let you um, look that up on your own. I know Pastor Ben, his sermons uh, many times spark me to go dig on something that, you know, he touched on or related to. And, and uh, it's good for us to be searching the scriptures on our own. And it's okay to go down rabbit trails in God's word. But uh, in a day like that, um, Paul prioritized prayer. He prioritized it. Why? Why prayer? Because then is now the real fight, the real battle, uh, the real action is happening in the spiritual realm. See, we're not, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You know, that passage, the armor of God. We're, 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 we're wrestling with spiritual forces in high places. And, you know, right now there's a, a, a big run on, on weapons, uh, on guns. And I like guns as much as anybody. I have a bunch. But I'll tell you what, those kind of weapons will help you in a physical conflict, possibly, if you use them properly. But I'll tell you what, they, they, they don't do a whole lot in the spiritual realm. And there's, but yet there's weapons that have been given to us. They were given to Timothy. They're given to children of God that are very effective in the spiritual realm. And again, the spiritual realm is where the real action is in the battles then as now that are facing us spiritually. You know, we're 70 years ago this month, uh, which wars broke out? Who's the history people here? Korea. The Korean War started right? Close. Uh, World War II is close to that too. Korean War, North Korea and South Korea. Or was there other people involved? Oh yeah, we were fighting North Korea, but yeah, it was kind of a proxy war because there was other forces involved. And this is kind of like how things go on. We, we see the things happening in our society. We see evil. In fact, it's becoming more and more common for us to see people openly loudly blaspheme God, blaspheme Christian standards, blaspheme everything good and right. But I'll tell you, that's kind of a proxy war because every person that lends themselves to the devil's way, he's, he's kind of a useful idiot. By the way, anybody out here been a useful idiot at times? Yeah, God forgive us. But the real action, that person is not the real enemy. The real enemy is the devil, the world and the flesh, and there's a, a spiritual war happening right now. It's happening all around us. And just like Paul instructed Timothy, he said, man, I'll tell you what, you've got a weapon, and that weapon is prayer. And today I want to focus on, I want to, I want to narrow in on, on intercession. 
Intercession. Intercession. Uh, the English word for intercession, um, it's, uh, it's similar to intersection, you know, cross some intersections coming here. Uh, intervention, but it comes from this Latin word that means to come between, to come between. In so doing, in intercessory prayer, we are acting on behalf of another. We're, we're coming between for someone else. One who comes between who? The individual and what is coming their way. I want you to allow your thoughts to, to move towards Christ, uh, the great intercessor. Great intercessor. How did Christ intercede for us? Again, the instructions were that supplications, prayers, intercessions. Christ came between a people that deserved. It was just. It was right. It was comely. He came between us and the judgment that was so rightly deserved. The intercessor says, in a sense, you're, you're right to strike them, to smite them, to crush them, but I'm standing between. Turn to Isaiah 53. Uh, Isaiah, um, possibly more than any Old Testament book, speaks of Christ, speaks of Christ, his work, so many ways. Of course, earlier in that chapter, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him, him. Who's that him? It's Christ Jesus, the iniquity of us all. But if we look at Isaiah 53, 12, 53, 12, therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. Again, the work of Christ. He poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Notice in this passage, actually this verse, there's four things uh, that Jesus did mentioned in Scripture. In his earthly ministry, Christ was an intercessor. What is he doing right now? Pastor Ben touched on this, getting through Hebrews, Hebrews 7 and 24. But he... Because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Pretty awesome thought, right? After the incarnation, okay, when Jesus Christ, he, he came uh, to earth, he put himself in human flesh. He, 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 he became like one of us so he could be our Savior, our High Priest. So after the Incarnation, he spends 30 years, 30 years in submission to his parents, to authorities. Remember, Christ, at, at 12 years old, he could speak to the teachers of the law and stuff that they were amazed. I always think about this. Here's the guy that knows more about God and God's Word than anybody else, but yet he, he, he sits through, you know, these services, submissive. He listens to his parents, submissive, obedient. 30 years, okay, 30 years in that state, three years of a high power ministry, very visible. And what's he been doing for 2,000 years since? Interceding. That's, that's awesome. He, he, he's at, at the right hand of God, and he's, he's making intercession. He's, he's praying for you. He's, he's interceding for you and for me. Jesus Christ intercedes intercedes. What kind of shape are we in with no intercessor? What kind of shape is anybody in 
Isaiah 59, if you follow paths where I'm going to read, you, um, this is some of the reason why Christ came. We needed an intercessor, but Isaiah 59 and 12, and I, I, I'm jumping around a little bit more than is typical with our, our, um, with our, our congregation, uh, but I, I feel led uh, by the Lord this morning uh, to bring this out. Um, this is something that we can do and, and grasp and, and be so effective in this time. If God would grip our hearts and, and, and allow us to see that we can intercede, and even if we're not on the news, and even if nobody knows about it, we can make a difference for eternity if this truth will grasp us. Isaiah 59 and 12, for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressions, and lying against the Lord, and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth falls, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey, Man, it, it sound, almost sounds like he's speaking of the conditions of our day, but it says the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Without an intercessor, it's a, it's a tough place to be, tough place to be. I'll tell you what, it's easy to be a critic. It's easy to be a critic. In fact, I know in me, I kind of got a built-in, I mean, that, that's, I got natural talent to criticize other people. Anybody else got that natural talent? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get rid of it because I'm so talented at that by nature. Many critics. How many intercessors are there? What does it mean to intercede? Now, we can't intercede quite like Christ did, obviously, right? Um, by the way, you don't want to bear the sins of others, and you can't do it, all right? You can't do it, and it's been done. It's finished. There's nothing to add to it. Christ has bore the sins of those who come to him by faith. Praise God. It is finished. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what, the ministry of intercession is necessary. It was necessary then, it's necessary now. What does it look like for a human being, a, a, a regular Joe Blow like me to intercede? The greatest saints, some of the greatest saints have been great intercessors. I want to take you to, to a couple in the Bible. Uh, Genesis 18 and uh, I think I'm realizing I need to probably skim through this so you know the story uh, just for the sake of time. But Genesis 18, um, we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, most of you here are familiar with that. Um, but it's interesting, if you look at Genesis 18, 17, um, God is, the Lord's having a conversation. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Shall I hide? And it's so interesting to me that... that um, if you walk close to God, if you walk close to God, there will be times that he may, and you might not have the full picture of it, and it's not for show, and it's not for your personal profit, but there, there, there are times that a person that walks close to the Lord will get an insight or a sense or a feeling of things that are to come. And God says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, and to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham 
what he has spoken of him. And then the Lord said, so he lets him in on what's going to happen. Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that it has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood before the Lord. The, the, the position... Okay, the, the position of an intercessor is standing before the Lord. You're not standing before men. Remember, this is kind of a proxy war that's going on, right? This isn't where the real action is. An intercessor stands before the God, right? The one who really has the power. And look, look what Abraham says. I, I'm going I'm to summarize this. But he says, you know, are you going to destroy? Hey, what if there's righteous people in that nation? Would it, would it be right for them to go down? with the bad. And you remember the story, right? He, he kind of, it's almost like an auction, except a reverse one. And he's kind of, well, what about, and, and they get down. And what number did they get to? Ten, right? You can kind of sense that there's kind of a sheepishness, like in, in Abraham, it's like, boy, I'm asking a lot. But they get down to ten, and, and God says, uh, uh, verse 32, uh, halfway through, he says, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. God would have been willing to spare, to spare this wicked city for the sake of ten righteous. And we don't know exactly how many lived in the city. If it was a thousand, how many righteous people could have made, made the difference, right? If it was ten thousand, how many could have made one in a hundred? Abraham interceded on the basis of justice that it wouldn't be right. And you see his heart, and you see his concern. And I want to take you back to this. Godly men, godly men who are close to the heart of God, intercede. Fleshly men, accuse. It's easy to accuse. It's easy to criticize. I'll tell you what, the most godly person in this room, if you spent a month with them, you'd find plenty to fault. <laughs> You'd find plenty to fault. Godly men intercede. I'll say fleshly, right? Okay? Because you, you can be growing in grace and still have, you know, I think all of us are on that journey. But it is, it is a trait of ungodliness to accuse, and it's a godly trait to intercede. By the way, when you are interceding for others, you're doing the work of Christ. When you're accusing others, whose work are you doing? Who's the accuser of the brethren? What was Christ? statement on the cross, these people he came, he came to die for, and, he, and he's nailed to a cross, a people that he loved and people he wept over. And he said, he said, Father, forgive them. Well, remember, they know not what they do. It's a godly trait to intercede. It's a godly trait to not want people to get what's coming to them. And it's an ungodly trait in us. And if it's, when it's in us, we need to recognize and say, God, cleanse my heart, change me. When we are quick to accuse God wants us to pray, to, to intercede. One other example here, uh, Moses in Exodus 32. Exodus 32, uh, uh, Pastor Ben, I'm out of practice here. I, I've got too much material within the time, so I'm just going to have to, going to have to, if you start doing this, you know, I'll, I'll uh, if I get too long here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Exodus 32, God had, had uh, brought Moses up to the mountain to give him the, the law, the Ten Commandments. And uh, he goes up there. What happens down below? 
what happens? Man, after everything, right? Aaron makes a golden calf. By the way, Aaron turned around. He, did, he, he, he made some improvements later on in some respects. But all this stuff, once Moses leaves, man, things fall apart. But Exodus 32, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, get, Go get down. The people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make you. Hey, Moses, we'll just restart things with you. We'll fulfill the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through you. I'll make you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord and said, Lord, why is your wrath burnt hot against your people, whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, relent from the harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it. Verse 14, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. That intercessor, his concern was for God's glory. I'll tell you what, if that offer was made to a man whose heart was wrong, hey, I'll, we'll just restart it all with you. People were saying, Father Moses had many sons, many sons had. I'll tell you, you, you offer that kind of honor to somebody whose heart's wrong, and you'd be like, yeah, okay, great. Go ahead and take care of them. Hey, they deserve it. Look at how many times they wanted to stone me. But you know, the heart of an intercessor wasn't about Moses, right? It was about God. It was about God's glory. Not concerned for self, but love for him. And in Numbers 14, man, this, there's so many examples in the life of Moses. Numbers 14, they send in the spies, right, to the land, a land God had promised. Here he'd done all these things, all these things for them, and they're so quick to forget. Brother Roger brought that out in one of these songs, you know. We, we, we quickly forget. We quickly were, were prone to wonder, even though God's done such great things for us. But these, these people, you know, they, they send the spies in, and, and the land's great, you know, and it's awesome. But, oh, there's these giants, there's these obstacles. And, 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 and the people were murmuring, and, and they were lacking faith, and, and they wanted to go back to Egypt, and they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb, the two finest men in the whole group. And, and God says to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe? With all the signs which I've performed among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. What does Moses do again? You can read on on your own sometime. He intercedes. He says, oh, Lord, don't do it. Intercessors, concern is the glory of God and, and other people. Tell you what, most of the great intercessors in history, you know, we have this 
in the word of God because God said this is important for the people to know. We're going to put these examples in, these things in the Old Testament. See, the Bible says in the New Testament, it's for an example for us. That's why it got in this book. We needed to have these examples. But I'll tell you what, the last 2,000 years, most of the great intercessors, um, they're not in some history book. They're doing a quiet ministry alone with God. But I want to tell you what, when we get to heaven someday, I think we're going to find out that, man, there was some powerful things happening. Powerful things happening. And maybe man didn't see it, but I'll tell you who saw it is God. And it made an impact. Praise the Lord. The heart of an intercessor. God, give them mercy. God, forgive them. God, give them more time to turn. I recognize you're a just and holy God. Oh, God, mercy. Move. Convict. Psalms 106. Um, it's kind of a, a psalm. Remember, psalms, they're meant to be sung. Well, um, I wish we had the notes for that. It'd be kind of cool to sing some of these psalms. But Psalm 106, 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshiped the molded image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses... His chosen one stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. The people rebelled. The people fell into sin. God's justice demands action. Intercession is made and mercy is granted. Number 16, you can look that up sometime. That's another instance uh, just in the life of Moses. Um, most of you guys around here know Bishop, uh, Bishop Rusty. That's kind of his unofficial nickname around here. He's a guy with a long beard, Bishop Rusty. Kind of joke. We don't have real bishops, you know, or at least we don't use that title. He and I were talking um, uh, just yesterday, and he brought up uh, D.L. Moody, you know, seeing men on their way to the gallows and, and telling the young ministers with him, I tell you, we are like dying men preaching to dying men. What we're doing right now is, is life and death, and the work of an intercessor is as such. We bring out one more passage here, Ezekiel 22. There can be kind of a fatalistic sense that we can fall into. That um, and guys, I don't know. It, there's a little bit of a mystery how this all works. You know, God's sovereign. He's totally sovereign. Yeah. And, and by the way, in intercession, it's not like we twist God's arm. That, that, I'm sorry, that doesn't happen. He's God. But I tell you what, it's also opposite to say, you know, hey, whatever's going to happen, happen. If it happens, hey, it's all God's will. You know, so I'm just, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to witness. Hey, if it's going to happen, if it's God's will for them to be saved, they'll be saved. I, I just don't see that in this book. I, I don't see that. When, when Daniel realized that the 70 years were coming up and that prophecy was given, it said he, 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 he fasted and prayed, okay? He fasted and prayed, even though something was, was already prophesied was going to happen. And, and there, there's this sense and, and, and it's, it's a mystery, and I think some of our theological disputes is sometimes because we try to get, you know, ironed out everything, and uh, God has set things up that his people are to intercede. He wants it to happen. He's called it to happen. It's part of his plan for saving people and for his gospel to be preached in all the world. Part of his work and the way he set things up is our part to intercede. And if we're not interceding, some of the things that God would have liked to have done just by looking at Scripture are, are stymied. 
Some of the people that, that God would have shown mercy to may not have gotten the opportunity. Ezekiel 22, my last, last scripture here, and then I'm going to say some closing thoughts. What if there's no intercessor? Ezekiel 22, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, you're a land that is not cleansed and rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in the midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They devoured people. They've taken treasure and precious things. They've made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. They've hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Is the key verse here. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but found no one. Therefore, I've poured out my indignation on them. I've consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I've recompensed their deeds. Recompense means repay on their own heads, says the Lord God. The condition in the land of that time, prophets, prophets, priests, princes, people, they were all wrong. And uh, immorality, sin can kind of have a trickle-down effect. I'll tell you what, uh, in, in a home, in a home, if the leader of the home, the father of that home, um, is living sinfully, living in rebellion to God, it has, and I praise God, it, it, there, there's exceptions. Thank God for everyone. Uh, but the higher up the chain, it tends to have a trickle-down effect. And when leaders are, are, are uh, leaders in churches even, this is true in all kinds of things, when, when leaders are corrupt, it, it tends to have a trickle-down effect. And like an avalanche, you know, it starts with just a snowball at the top and, and it picks up speed and, and becomes a destructive force and corruption working its way down. And, and, and the, natural, the natural result of sin and rebellion against God is a judgment. That's just the way it works. There's a law of sowing and reaping that God has built into this world. And and it's coming down, and yet God wanted an intercessor. He wanted to spare a people. He wanted someone to stand in the gap. He was, he was begging for that. It says he, he found nobody. He didn't find that person, so the, the wrath fell. I think of that, and I, I apply it to our time, and, and surely our nation, our state, our community, maybe, maybe many families are worthy of judgment are worthy of the, the natural consequences of the seeds that were sown to come down. And, and judgments in the Bible are always uh, commiserate. They're always in line to some extent with the light that has been shown. There's, there's a sense that the more light that has been shown, and, and if it's been rejected, it, it heaps for oneself a greater judgment, a greater, a greater condemnation, a greater damnation. And, and who has had more opportunities for light? Um, than our country, than our people. Judgment is at hand, but I want to tell you, God's looking for an intercessor. He's looking for, uh, for people who will stand in the gap and, and who will pray and plead. He wants that. 
He wants to give mercy. He wants to give more time. He wants to move. He wants to, he, he wants to do things, and he's calling on his people to pray. Well, just wrap this up with this. Is, and I, I, I pray, I, my, my prayer as I was bringing this is that God would, um, would stir, you know. Uh, and I, I think there's a gift of intercession. There's a gift uh, for some, but I think God wants us to all grow in the area of intercession. But my prayer would be that God would move in the hearts of some, that we could pray and, 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 make, it, and make a difference in our generation that will make a difference for eternity. Here's four things, though, that, that kind of have to be there, four qualities that I see from Scripture. There's probably more uh, for, for effective intercession. By the way, it seems like everybody prays, even atheists, kind of throws up a wish or a hope or a, but four qualities of biblical intercession. Um, intercessors sense the righteous, the holiness of God. They sense when they see sin that, oh, I mean, there's a grieving of it. They don't walk around like they're better than everybody else. It's not about that. It's not about this puritanical thing. It's not about that. But, but they have a sense of the holiness of God and righteousness of God. And when they, when they see evils around them, it, it, it grieves them. And they realized there's, there's going to be a recompense. There's going to be a repayment. Intercessors have a deep concern for the glory of God. Yes, they care about people, but they're not, they're not humanists. Remember, a humanist says, or they have a position is, hey, the, the greatest goal is the happiness of people, the betterment of mankind. That's, that's, our, that's our top goal. That's, that's a humanist. By the way, in trying to be a humanist, you create hell on earth. A Christian says the highest end, the greatest end, the greatest possible thing is, is the glory of God, that God would be honored, God would be praised. So a, an intercessor has a deep concern for God's glory, God's name being honored. Oh, an intercessor has an intimate relationship with God. I tell you, if, it, if, it's, if it's platitudes, if it's just kind of throwing up random things, it's hard to really be an intercessor. An intercessor has to have a personal acquaintance with God, a personal knowledge. And I want to tell you, that's something that it doesn't happen overnight. If you're sitting next to your spouse today, you know, maybe you can kind of look at each other and kind of almost read, your, read their mind, what they're thinking. You, you, in, in a situation, you just kind of know what they feel about things. You, you kind of, you know. In fact, sometimes I can answer a question that my wife's asked just because I know what she thinks about things. And it takes time to build that. And, 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 and as you grow in your relationship with God, you, you begin to get a sense of how he feels about things and what his heart is. And, oh, to be able to talk with frankness and reverence. And I, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage all of us to, 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 to take the time, get into God's word, get to know him, get to know his heart. It's like anything in a relationship. You might start out talking about the weather. But as time comes, you grow in closeness and you need that intimacy with God. And, and the last thing, and, and again, I don't totally understand all of this, but there's a sense of boldness and risk and, and even cost associated with being an intercessor. You know, think about that. When God said, Moses, get out of my way, I'm going to do something. And Moses is like, I'm standing here. And you could just see the, the trembling. Remember when Moses came down on that mountain, his face was white as a ghost. And I'll tell you what. Christ is a lamb, but he's a lion. I'll tell you the glory of God, the honor, the holiness of God. It is not a, a light thing to stand before God and say, oh God, mercy, more time, please, God, for your name's sake, a boldness, a boldness. 
There's a lot of important ministries in the life of the church. We praise God for everyone, and we are a body, and man, God doesn't lay out all the gifts in everybody. Praise God for that. And aren't you glad that God didn't make everybody just like you? I'll tell you what, the, the ministry of intercession is one of the most important ministries. I'll tell you, it's one of the most important ministries of this church. In fact, we should all be lifting up our pastors, our elders, our leaders. The enemy comes after them at a higher level. I know this from experience. We should be interceding. We should be praying. We should be lifting up those in authority. But I want to tell you what, um, God wants us to all grow in intercession. And you're going to find at that time, it, 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 it's a growth process. I, I'm, I'm learning how to do this. As a, I mean, I don't have this figured out. Don't raise your hand, but uh, is God calling anyone to be an intercessor? Is he calling you to? No one may ever find out about it, but God will. And he'll use your prayers to make an impact for all of eternity. God looked for a man. He always sought for one man. God was never worried about the crowd, what the majority thought. One man and God makes a majority. One man or a woman who walks with God, who knows how to pray can change the situation with their prayers. All right, I think I've said enough. Worship team, um, come up. I want to pray for us, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll, praise, we'll praise God. Let me tell you this, though. I'm, I'm speaking to myself, too, because I know myself. It's easy to look at the things going on and, and start thinking at it from a human perspective and lining up whichever way, whatever. Um, if you want to make an impact, intercede. If you want God to be honored, intercede. If you want souls to get saved, by the way, when things get shooken up, sometimes people start looking up. Let's learn how to pray. Let's learn how to pray. All right. Thank you, God, for this message. And thank you, God, for the word, the examples, and scriptures. And God, I pray that you would take, uh, take this message and, and stir the heart of your people. God, raise up intercessors among us. Lord, we thank you uh, for those that are doing this vital work now. We thank you for them, God grow this. And God, we just, we pray that you would be glorified. God, we pray that you would be honored. We pray that the gospel would be preached powerfully in Lewis County. God, we pray, we pray for ourselves, God, that as we, as we just look out and see what's going on, that it would cause us to look up and call on you, God, to do what only you can. God, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you